Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Emma Callender. Hello, and welcome to the Travcast. I'm Emma Callender, the associate director at the Traverse. This is usually my chance to speak with writers about what makes them tick, but this week we're going to try something a little bit different. And I'm speaking with theatre maker and artistic director of Tortoise in a Nutshell, Ross Mackay. Tortoise in a Nutshell came into the Scottish theatre scene at the Edinburgh Fringe of 2010 with their show The Last Minor. Since then, they've produced two more shows, Grit and Feral, and their intricate makeshift style has bagged them a fringe first. So hello, Ross. How are you? Hello. Not too bad. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. coming and being with us today. Ah, thank you for asking me. So the reason that we wanted to ask you to come and join us on the Travcast was, in essence, you are a writer of sorts. Or maybe a yeah. <laughs> creator of stories. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? yeah. So I wanted to start by asking about how you and your group go about the creation of stories. And maybe you could just describe what you do. Yeah, well, um, we are visual theatre makers is how we describe ourselves which means that we work with puppets and set design and um, shadow play and and whatever sort of comes to us um, to create our stories Um, and we work as a collaborative group um, to devise the stories so usually what will happen is um, myself or one of the others will come with a a half-baked idea and then um, we'll work on it together and bounce it between ourselves and play with play with sort of materials um and whatever's inspiring us um for each show and, and work work with that and um and develop it into into the story. So with Last Minor we used headlamps and I was really interested in this idea of, of creating a show lit by headlamps. Um and that that then transposed and we, we played around with that and we, we we stumbled across the idea of someone living down in a mine. Um, and from that, the, the story kind of grew and grew. Um, so we, we kind of start with material first rather than start with narrative first and, and come from that way around. So it's quite different um, than from sitting with a, a blank page in front of us. We, we Yeah, we play. <laughs> so you let the story come to you rather yeah. than feeling like you have to write a story that then you have to fit the creation process into. Yeah, I think... Um, we're quite we're, we're really visually led and we all of us um, will come with pictures and we'll come with feelings of atmosphere or it might even just be like a color that something um about the show and then we'll as we as we develop and play the the story will start to emerge from that um and it's it's really interesting how we we sort of we quickly will get onto the same page with the story um there's a always at the beginning they'll kind of we'll all come with sort of preconceived ideas of where we might want to go and it's always quite different but when we start playing and getting up on our feet um which we do quite early in the process we start to realize this is the direction that we're we're starting to go in so it's nice it feels um feels now it feels quite a a nice process of making work it can can also be quite bumpy (laughs) (laughs) tell us a little bit about the bumpy points what are the challenges that you find in working like that um you can go down the wrong route 
quite easily. So you can really push down, and whether that's with the material that you 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 get and you start playing with, and go, I can't do anything interesting with this or anything <laughs> inspiring with this, or it doesn't doesn't lead me anywhere. Um, or quite often we'll go down we'll go down paths with a, a story and realize actually we're getting to a place that's not interesting to us anymore. Um, and and knowing when to knowing when to keep mining and keep trying to find something new with it and when to kind of go actually no let's throw that away and start again um has always been a bit bumpy for us um and also the other thing is when you find something that's really exciting visually um and not as exciting storyline wise mm-hmm. and having to be not precious about that and 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 give that up which is something that we're we're slowly learning to do whereas before we might have said do you know what this is the most exciting thing visually that we've got we're going to stick it on stage and actually we're just going to we're going to put it up there and um and forget about the story for a second and hope that the audience will forget with us whereas now mm-hmm. we're a lot more story focused and kind of going well actually what well, how does this serve us and how does it serve the story so it's it's been an interesting journey for us to kind of realize that we can be visually imaginative and also telling a good story yeah there are all things that seem to be really comparable with the writer's process and just writing a play as well. You'd put different words in, in terms of, you know, it's not a visual material that you're playing yeah. with, but maybe it's a design choice that a writer has had or, you know, a specific location or a time. So it's really interesting hearing a completely different approach, but on a really similar, similar process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear some more about... Um, just the way that you communicate your stories because the interesting thing is that you very rarely use words yeah so just how you go about telling a story without words um we we tend to set off with um trying to use as little language as possible and the reason why is just because it's we find it quite accessible for people um and it means that children can come along and see the play or Adults can come along and see the play and get quite different readings out of it, um, and and it, it's it's a nice leveler for people. If there's no language and there's only pictures, then you you can't you can't read a picture wrong. You can't get the wrong message from a picture. Whereas you can you can kind of sometimes miss it with words. I think sometimes. Um, so <laughs> we yeah, so we start we start with 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 pictures on stage and see see if we can make them into a story. So we'll usually actually start when we play around with materials and then we'll we'll storyboard quite a lot um and think think about what what pictures that we need to to see to get get the most out of the story mm-hmm. um but it's 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 all about thinking about the the objects on stage and um and and also because because we're puppeteers and i apart from apart from the henson puppets i'm not I'm, i don't I don't think puppets can often do talking very well because they're not the most psychological beings. So they so expressing a thought isn't necessarily done best through talking. They're quite exploratory and um and physical. Um so I think using using the, the strengths of the of a puppet to, to explore, to tell tell a story silently, it's quite exciting for us. When you do find yourself using words, what are the what are the reasons that would lead you there? Um, either, either we feel that actually there's there's a point in the story that we can't 
that we can't cross because that, that we can't tell visually. Mm-hmm. So there might be something that we really want to get across, but actually the the strongest way to do it is, is through words. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, we'll try and find something different just to be a bit imaginative. So, for instance, in, in Feral, we used a lot of newspaper headlines and things like that to, to help drive points in the story that we weren't that we weren't telling. So we didn't we used words, but not not spoken, spoken. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we'll yeah we'll either use it because we feel it's really important to the narrative or um, in playing with a character or a puppet, then we might find small a, a voice that comes naturally to it. So the last mm-hmm. minor. Um, a lot of people say the last man didn't, didn't speak but actually there's, he, he says no and that's the only word he says is ah. no, no, no it's funny I really remember his voice do you? but maybe it's just the sound of him did he mumble? he mumbled occasionally yeah. and kind of grumped and grind, but that was just again he, he started off silently uh-huh. um, and it was just in, in terms of Aaron who's the puppeteer and brilliant puppeteer who felt that to express him she needed to put a voice to him um, but we, but we were keen because he was in a mine on his own, mm-hmm. and he wasn't mad mm-hmm. that he wasn't constantly speaking to himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the he became just that. It was just the grumbles of someone who's is trying to get on with their life, um, and just the kind of the groans of trying to pick something up and that kind of thing, rather than a an ongoing narrative. Mm. Isn't it interesting then what your imagination does? With yeah, that? and I what remember you him talking. Do you? Yeah. yeah. See, it is really interesting, and then other people. Uh, com- completely bamboozled when I say that he had any voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely. Uh, they think of us as a completely silent company, right. and even in, in Grit, we use a whole bunch of voiceover um, that people forget about. <laughs> ah, why do you so, think that is? I don't know. I think it's part of our part of our style is, uh, and so a lot of a lot of the sections in Grit will be silent, mm-hmm. and uh, and the. And because we don't use language in a typical way, I think a lot of pe- people know us for not, for not, not using language as as you would see it often in theatre. So we, there's not a lot of spoken word in it, and there's not a lot of dialogue in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that maybe plays with their imaginations. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to hear a bit about your journey. So, Tortoise in a Nutshell was made from a group from university. Yeah. And just what your journey's been, and how tough bits and the bits that have been surprising and how you've developed as a group as well yeah um developed a lot <laughs> yeah you touched on it uh, lear- yeah learned a lot um we came out of of university together and we'd, we'd studied drama and theater arts in whereabouts at queen margaret university cool. in edinburgh um and we all came from different specialisms the idea of it was that you would You'd have a course together, but there'd be different specialisms. So there's a directing and a playwriting and a community theatre specialism, um, and we all we all had different specialism backgrounds, but we all liked working together. And we worked together for a module where we where we decided that we would become a, a puppet company for this for this one module, um, and it was kind of a, just a a bit of fun for us and something fun in, in uni that was that was different um, from what we were usually doing. Mm-hmm. But then we really got into it and got quite excited by it, and it um, it went on from there. And we came out of university and uh, decided to put on a, a fringe show, mm-hmm. um, and so we'll 
lumped our money together and put on a, a little show called Twine, which was a lot of fun and it was just us playing around with ideas and playing around with puppets for the first time and uh, it was bright and colourful and um, and we really, that process was really um, crazy because <laughs> <laughs> because we were all working and we were all doing different different bits and pieces and um, and we decided that we were to, we were uh, we weren't going to have a director and we weren't going to have a writer and we weren't going to have so at points it got really messy in the rehearsal room but um <laughs> and it, we but we came out of it and we really enjoyed our time together and so decided to keep working together and um i in the meantime went off and studied um with a uh, bread and puppet in mm-hmm. america who are these amazing um like a 60s happening that i've kind of just stayed in the 60s <laughs> so i was over living in this hippie commune mm-hmm. um, learning about puppets and came back and um it was there that i'd been using head torches because um it's, it's in this farm and we were all staying on tents so we all at night used head torches um <laughs> and that had stayed in my mind so I came back um to the guys with this idea about head torches and we we created the, the last minor mm-hmm. and we were really lucky to get some funding <laughs> from ideas tap mm-hmm. um which just gave us time and space to to play yeah which is such a precious thing when you especially when you're at that stage of the career and um hmm. we were really lucky that that was quite successful for us and it meant that we could tour um which in turn just meant that we we naturally sort of became a company together mm. and we um we developed and and from that have kind of grown and just been led by our shows in terms of what we want to do um, and stumbled across this idea of being visual theatre makers uh, <laughs> and it, it's kind of worked for us and we've been excited by it um, and it's been really nice and so there's a there's a core group of three of us which is myself and Aaron Howie and Alex Bird um, and then we have these great collaborators that will come in and work with us. Um, some of them who are also from the same university course as us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really nice. It's a nice journey for us to go on together mm. and kind of grow up together. Mm. You spoke uh, um, you spoke a bit earlier about the your kind of development in storytelling and how yeah. that's worked over the years. And just then picking up on you saying that you didn't want a director and a writer yeah. in the room, which is a great bold choice at the beginning, but then you are working with a writer yeah, on your upcoming project. It'd be interesting to hear how you got there. Yeah, well, I mean, because I think we were quite conscious when we when we decided, we, we came out of university with the, the bold new ideas of let's let's remake it. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's remake the system and let's um, change how theatre is made. And we, <laughs> and we did this and, and, <laughs> and created a twee children's show. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but we... So after that, we we decided actually it was a great good idea to maybe have a director, someone who can shape the rehearsal process. Um, and I think probably because I was the bossiest, that's how it came about. <laughs> but um, from that, we, we we started on this on the process of of having a director in the room and and um, and performers, and and so that's become a bit of a, a more natural process that we've stuck with. But we'd always. We were always kind of scared of writers, not in a like, not in a scary horror movie way. <laughs> um, troll like, yeah, things, yeah, dripping slime coming <laughs> off them. And um, and like, we'd love, we all do it because we love theater and we love 
the writers and um, and new writing. But I think because we were this young group and we were quite new and and just starting out, we were really scared that our voice would be kind of overridden by here's a script, here's mm-hmm. someone else's ideas, here's someone else's conscience, and you put it on stage and you you can you can adapt it and you can take things from it and portray it in a different way but essentially it's that person's story mm-hmm. um and we we wanted to be we wanted to be much more of a group um which was which has led us to create grit and feral um and so how did you find yourself wanting to work with a writer because uh, we then because we we started to appreciate what a writer could do in our process mm. and um actually appreciate what what a writer is and it's not it's not just someone who comes and he goes, he's your conscious. And I think the whole um, theatre sector, especially up in Scotland, has um, changed a lot from that traditional mo- model that we might have studied at uh, uni or, or known it, known it sort of doing youth theatres where you get your script in hand and you get you cast your parts. And, um, mm-hmm. and actually working with a writer is much more of a process. Mm. Um and I think we were just we were just slow on the uptake. <laughs> I'm always really excited to hear from writers about the projects that they're working on, and yeah. most of the time it's so wide. Yeah, isn't it? it's you completely. Know, there's yeah. a play in there. Yeah, there's probably you know a commission from here or there, but quite often there's big collaborative there's big projects collaborative. in Scotland. Especially. Yeah, totally. And I think um, it was us going. Actually, the, this is the writer is really useful for us, and because one of the things that we we are aware of is that we 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 enjoy shaping narrative and we enjoy but that's not the skill that we bring to the table mm-hmm. that's um part of part of what we do but it's it's not our utmost skill so to have someone in there who is driving the narrative and really asking those questions about how does the narrative work and how do these characters shape in mm-hmm. allows us allows us a lot of freedom to be quite imaginative mm-hmm. um with that and it's actually it's been really great for us to kind of realize actually that the that the writers writers can be in a devising process and yeah. they're not it's not a didactic yeah. opposite thing so it's been really nice for us to, to realize you've worked with writers personally as well haven't you because you work as a freelance what how best do i describe it yeah not yeah a puppeteer is no it? not a, a puppeteer well a freelance theater maker director mm-hmm. um I'm, and most recently did the bfg up at dundee rep um directed yeah. by joe douglas which was an incredible production and the way that the puppets worked inside the narrative were beautiful really beautiful yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was um, <laughs> really good fun, and actually really nice to to work with um, a bunch of actors rather than puppeteers, um, and because they're also because it was really nice in terms of that they're so imaginative and so creative, and and they don't have they don't have those same rules that you quickly learn as a puppeteer. Mm-hmm. So actually, when you get someone in the room, and you go, oh, actually that's really interesting. Someone who's breaking the rules without realizing realizing it and creating (laughs) something really interesting so it was really really exciting in that way and um i i've worked uh did orin moores which were brilliant Mm -hmm. and i was really lucky perth theater um, gave me an opportunity to to work with a writer called susie miller Mm -hmm. who's an australian playwright um, and quite an experienced playwright so it was great and um i think that opened opened my eyes a bit in terms of in terms of creating how how working with a writer can work yeah. in a creative, creative process so it's been nice because when I've gone off and or when Aaron and Alex have gone off to do our own freelance projects we've always been able to 
feed it back into the company and feed mm-hmm. back our experiences and and i think a lot of my own freelance work has allowed us to come back and go actually working with a writer they're not they're not going to stamp all they're over not our scary work trolls. yeah yeah <laughs> tell us a little bit about grit and um, we're just coming to the end of our time together yeah. but this is going to be performed at the manipulate festival what are the dates uh, it is on the thursday of the manipulate festival which is the nine fifteen nine fifteen p.m. Yeah, nine fifteen p.m. So we know the time. Yeah, we know the time. It's a Thursday. It's nine fifteen p.m. Check out the brochure Next though. Thursday. There's so much good stuff in it. Um, tell us a little bit about the show um, and how it came about. Um, it it started. Um, I was working as a learning assistant in a school, mm-hmm. and. Um, the in a primary school and it was Remembrance Sunday coming up and so they had a, a man in from the RAF and I was in a primary six class helping out and this the man came to, to speak to them um about Remembrance Sunday and why it was so important and he asked at the end if they had any questions. And all these boys stuck up their hands and um really excited to ask, really excited to ask and have you ever breached a door? Have you ever fragged something? Have you ever... And this man from the IF had no idea what they were chatting about. But I knew because I'd been playing my Xbox. It was Call of Duty video <laughs> game. Um, which is this video game all about war. And it was really amazing that that's... It, it just dawned on me that that's how they... How mm. they viewed this whole... How they viewed the, the sort of war. Mm-hmm. And it was it really formed their perspective of it. Um, and seeing them outside and playing war and how excited they were about it just just sort of turned away in my mind um, and went back um, to speak to Aaron and Alex and say, say this idea of of talking about children and their views of war. Um, and then we were really lucky. War Child um, gave us access to some resources of first-hand accounts of, of children who are actually in war. Mm. And that led us down this idea of, of just examining what what what's like for a child to be in war, um, from all different perspectives, mm. and from children that are here and their perceptions of war, to to children that are in war zones, to child soldiers, um, and we were just um, yeah, we were really struck by the stories and wanted to tell something that wasn't just the statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, of of anything which is shocking and um and and can make a great great piece of theater just about how how awful it is but actually we just wanted to get inside that the child's imagination and, and think about what all think about yeah the, what a child must be thinking about during those times yeah um so it, it hmm. yeah it's been quite a process for us we started developing it two years ago at manipulate we just had 10 minutes and we'd been um, paired up with Dominic Hill mm-hmm. and um, we we worked together and created a, a piece in a, in, in a sandbox that's turned into a war zone <laughs> um, and uh, and then went on from there and kind of we've taken fragments of pieces from different children and from different time zones and different eras and different places um, and created created grit <laughs> brilliant i'm really looking forward to seeing it in manipulate thank you so much for coming and talking to us it's been ah. fascinating hearing a completely different take on the way of creating a story 
Oh, thank you very much. So here are the dates. The Manipulate Festival runs from Friday the 31st of January through to uh, Saturday the 8th of February and Grit will be performing as part of that festival at the Traverse on Thursday the 6th of February at 9.15pm. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.